Hi, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode to The Film Show podcast, the first of its kind, actually. I'm Dima Lumby, and this special focuses on my interview with action director Rob Cohen. Rob Cohen would be best known for The Fast and the Furious, and indeed, we talk about the film in the interview and the franchise it has ended up growing into. And we also chat about his latest feature, The Hurricane Heist. It's showing in cinemas and on Sky Cinema from 6th of April. And it's basically this totally bonkers movie, which does what it pretty much says on the tin. It's about a heist that is attempted during a hurricane and the efforts of the heroes to try and stop it. He's a filmmaker who thinks like a producer as much as a director. In fact, he's produced as often as he's directed, being executive producer on the likes of Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Running Man and Monster Squad which is kind of a cult classic and he makes movies not for awards contention far from that but really just ones that he wants to entertain and excite audiences with so I found myself kind of appreciating you know this wholehearted embrace of him just saying you know what I'm a popcorn movie director don't care and sure with everyone trying to be like an auteur director or like you know prestigious or whatever I find his perspective just to be you know really refreshing and old school and commendable in fairness So I hope you enjoyed the interview. Make sure to like and subscribe for more interviews like this and let us know your thoughts on Twitter at The Film Show. That's F-I-L-U-M. So here's me and Rob. Enjoy. Rob, congratulations on The Hurricane Heist. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was action packed. It was it was quite ridiculously fun. It was absolutely bonkers and just so entertaining. So congratulations on it, first of all. Thank you very much. Uh, that was my intent. So I'm glad it came through. Brilliant, brilliant. I was wondering, what was um, the biggest draw for you to the film when it was first kind of proposed to you, the hurricane heist? Well, I, I, I like the idea of crossing the two genres. And because, you know, when you shot a lot of chases and gun battles and various action uh, motifs, you you, mm-hmm. you go, okay, well, here we go again. But when you start putting 150 mile an hour winds in into the scene, it no longer is just a car chase. No longer is just a gun battle. Mm-hmm. So you, you, it, it becomes um, something other where it's man against nature against man. And mm-hmm. uh, or man against man against nature, and and that seemed to me to be a very cool challenge, and that's why I took it on. Brilliant, brilliant. I mean, when I was watching it, what I kind of took away from it was it kind of reminded me of like just an old school disaster movie. You know, I was wondering were there any disaster movies that you watched over the years that maybe you were thinking about or inspired you for making the movie? Well, of course. There are antecedents like Twister. Mm-hmm. Uh, there uh-huh. were uh, moments when I felt like uh, I was making a side adventure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, just over the years, having enjoyed various disaster movies, but with the advent of special effects, disaster movies have become so easy to do that it just doesn't seem like enough challenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Another aspect of this movie that I really loved was seeing um, Maggie Grace in it because she'd really be best known as Kim, you know, the daughter um, in Liam Neeson's Taken movies. And what I thought was really interesting about how you cast her here was that in the Taken movies, she's kind of more of a damsel in distress, a passive character who needs to be rescued. Whereas in this movie, she's the action heroine. She's going in and constantly saving all the guys. Was that something you kind of were consciously thinking about even when you cast her in the leading role? Yeah, well, I... I when I sent her the script, I wrote her a note and I said, uh, it's your turn to play Liam. So, hmm. uh, you know, and uh, she responded very well and she worked very hard. We had her in combat pistol training for months and she really took it to heart. And all the actors did all their own stunts, which, which was uh, uh, something I was I wanted to affect and uh, they were all three of them and Ralph Kynaston too they were all gung-ho for doing it and uh, they, they, they brought a lot of reality to it because you don't have to cut away you see Maggie jumping running gunning and Toby jumping from trucks and Ryan almost missing that one truck mm-hmm. uh, that was a heart in the throat moment but you, you know, you just—it—it—I've it, been pushing the idea of an action heroine for a long time, and Hollywood was very, very resistant. And uh, and uh, after Wonder Woman, they weren't so resistant. Yeah, no, it's brilliant to see um, all these developments as well, like the likes of like Atomic Blonde last year as well. Like I think that it's really important to believe that these women can actually, you know. Give, actually kick and punch and everything and that they're physically like in shape and everything so they must have gone through quite a bit of training because you definitely believe that you know uh, Maggie as well as the other actors are really kind of giving and taking hits you know yeah well yeah I loved Atomic Blonde David Leach did such a great job with that film and uh, you know it is you have to still establish a personality of command uh it's not just, okay, now we start fighting and suddenly there's a stunt double in there. Um, I think you have to create in your leading actress a, a personality profile that you believe could do these things. And that's where the acting comes in. Because, you know, you can, any martial arts trained stunt woman is going to do a stunt better than an actress, but the actress has the art of making you believe it. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. There were so many um, cracking scenes in this movie. I'm just remembering off the top of the head some of the highlights for me were the one in the shopping center where everything just went crazy and then the finale, that car chase sequence I thought were brilliant. Um, but what scene from the film are you the happiest with that like the end product even exceeded your hopes and expectations for it? Well, um, you know, I, I'm very happy with the truck sequence at the end, the 12-minute long uh, action sequence. But um, I'm really happy with the tower sequence where they pull down the tower because I felt we in that sequence we got closer to the reality of what it would be like to be out in a hurricane. And... 
that's no small feat when you're doing it in front of the lens, you know, because that none of that was visual effects. That was all in camera. And I, I just enjoy the fact that we shot it at night and lit it for hurricane daylight and, and that we, we were able to, the crew and I and everybody was able to, uh, to get close to the bone of the reality of being in the place where even a hubcap becomes a lethal weapon. Brilliant, brilliant. Rob, I hope you don't mind, but um, I was hoping to ask as well as about the Hurricane Heist, about some of your past credits, because you've got you've had such an amazing career and so many great credits over the years. You directed the original Fast and the Furious, Triple X, um, Dragonheart is one that's very close to me because that was a childhood, you know, nostalgic one for me. Um, you did Dragon, the Bruce Lee story was a great one as well. And then you kind of exe- you were executive producer on quite a number of movies like The Running Man and Monster Squad, which movie from um, your career do you get asked the most about? Oh, it's still Fast and the Furious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, that when I made that, you know, it was kind of a very out outlier. It was an outside-the-box movie that I had in my head that nobody understood and, frankly, nobody cared about. Uh that was the year that Stallone was doing Driven and Jerry Bruckheimer was doing Gone in 60 Seconds. And everybody looked at me like, you poor boy doing the third car movie. <laughs> and and I just went, no, no, I'm doing something different. I'm doing something different. And, uh, and when people saw it, it had such an impact. I was shocked myself that it, it hit people as hard as it did. And, uh, you know, it was a wonderful, wonderful advent in my life for, for this to, to rock it off the pad like it did. And so people, you know, I knew we would have a sequel, but I didn't envision it going on for 20 years, you know. So uh, I don't think anybody could have even vaguely imagined that even in their private you know, alone moment in the shower could not, no, could not ever think, yeah, I just made something that will keep being remade for 20 years. Yeah, because that's what I was actually going to ask you about next. I mean, The Fast and the Furious, it's really become this massive franchise, released its eighth movie, even like just as recently as last year. Dwayne Johnson is on board now. I was going to ask, what's it been like seeing your original movie grow into this worldwide phenomenon? But I think you kind of said just like kind of shock and surprise, I suppose, would be the main feelings. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I could tell you, I engineered it all. I saw it all. <laughs> I did. Um, and, you know, it just has evolved and become its own crazy thing. And, uh, you know, it's been a very delightful um, happening for me because, you know, it's great to create something that has such a deep and lasting cultural impact. I think that's what every filmmaker dreams of when you go to work on day one. You know, please... I hope I'm making something that will have an effect and uh, and that will reach and reach widely. And uh, and that one reached not only widely, but particularly deeply. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And what's it been like seeing, um, you know, Vin Diesel grow into this kind of big superstar? Because you really directed him in both The Fast and the Furious and Triple X, which really were the movies that ended up like kickstarting his career. Um, are you still like in contact with him and stuff? Yeah, you know, Vin and I, you always have a, a kind of thing between a leading man and a director that's both competitive and collaborative and you know there's a lot of who's got the power kind of to quote the song who's got the power you know and and uh you know you just uh have that on a daily basis and i'm happy for him i'm happy that the two things i put him on put him in are are still his bread and butter And, uh, you know, I think, you know, when I see him, it's a lovely experience. And, you know, I don't see him all that often these days, but but I always wish him the best and I want him to succeed. Brilliant, brilliant. Like as well as those movies and just all the ones we kind of touched on there, I think that what your movies share in common and definitely you've maintained it with the Hurricane Heist is just this passion for action and just having a sense of real fun in your movies. Like what would you describe your approach as a director? Like when you are given a project, do you have something kind of in mind that you want audiences to come away with? Well, uh, it's different for each film, but I mm-hmm. think we we go to the movies for fun. I mean, I, I mean, I do, and I like making movies that have a little quixotic, crazy gonzo stuff to it. You know, sometimes you make these movies, and critics are like, "Oh, it's ridiculous! It's so stupid!" And you know, you go, "Hey, take the stick out of your ass and go have a good time at the theater." Any, you know, you can see all the movies about studying your navel and the agonies of life. And you can experience that at home. You don't need to go to the movies to experience that. So I find it gets uh, a little too restrictive when it comes to critical reaction if you're trying to bring entertainment. And for some reason, that's a red flag when I think it's the whole purpose. I 100% agree. And I'm from entertainment.e, so I know all about the priorities of entertainment. Um, I've noticed yes, over the years, do. Rob. Hmm? Yes, you do. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I've noticed over the years, Rob, um, your career has kind of ended up alternating between directing and producing, particularly in recent years. Um, you almost produce or executive produce as often as you direct. And I've been wondering how has that process, um, you know, been kind of transitioning from one to the other, one role to the other? Well, if you see it the way I see it, it's not difficult. You see, to me, it's one big process. It's one gigantic journey. Every financial decision is a creative decision. And every creative decision in the film is a financial decision. So once you begin to get onto that, whether you're the guy who's looking at the movie a little more on the balance where financial is supreme or whether you're the director and you're looking at the balance where the creative 
is supreme, um, you you are all engaged in one unified process. So it's very easy to switch hats if you just realize the role you're now playing. You can't try to produce the movie and direct it if you have a director. And you must balance his creativity or her creativity with your your vision and control and the same when you're the director you can't have unlimited creativity there is not enough money in the world to do so so you need to recognize that sacrifices compromises uh, are all part of this rollicking free-for-all process and and so the best directors have within producers like Ridley Scott and and people who take greater control through knowing how to be the director or the producer. So, uh, you know, that's the path I've tried to follow. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant. I totally agree. Um, Rob, I know hey. we're short on time and I'm sorry. Yeah, I was about to say last question, if that's OK. Yeah, that's no problem at all. Um, Rob, one we always like to ask just for fun is what are your own three favorite movies, say, any ones that have inspired you over the years? Oh, God. Well, <clears throat> Lawrence of Arabia, you got to start with that one. Good choice, um, yes. The Seven Samurai, Kurosawa's version. And, uh, um, uh, a wild bunch. Ooh, good choices. I like that. A good mix in there. And I love the wild bunch. That's a brilliant one. Yeah. Well, there, that was the first time I saw a director go what I would call gonzo on the Western. And, <laughs> and I went, wow, wow. No matter how many millions of Westerns have been shot, Sam Peckinpah figured out how to do it in a new, more immediate way. And and that taught me you need to reinvent, not just copy, and you need to um, uh, make it impacting in a way that no one has heretofore done. And when you get that, when you get a car movie and you put the top spin on it like I did on Fast, or you take a disaster heist cross-genre film and you just let your imagination go crazy, you know, you're you're kind of getting closer to the experience I had when I first watched The Wild Bunch. That's brilliant. That's absolutely perfect, Rob. And a lovely note to leave it all on. So thank you so much for taking out um, the time to speak with me today, even with your cold and everything. And I hope you get well soon. And congratulations again on the hurricane heist. It's It's so much fun. Thank you so, so much, really.